are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24 at myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing. So thank you. This podcast is free and available on all platforms. Now, on today's pod, you're going to hear my green room audio. We are talking about Joe Mather on the podcast, the hitting coach, his background, how he can help the D-backs. We're going to be then discussing the pending free agents for the D-backs, make cases of who should be coming back and who shouldn't be coming back for the 2022 season. So we got a whole podcast we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. But of course, first, drop the intro. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas here, still have locked on Diamondbacks. And for the first segment today, I want to talk about the hitting coach, the new hitting coach for the AZ D-backs, Joe Mather. The D-backs had two interim hitting coaches during the season after firing their coaches Darnell Coles and Eric Kinski. In June, they went with Rick Short and Drew Hedman. They got promoted. They were interim coaches and They aren't currently coming back in their current capacity. Maybe they'll return in a different capacity. But we knew the D-backs want to hire a new hitting coach after the season ended. The D-backs fired their hitting coach when they were in the midst of that terrible road losing streak. Offense wasn't doing anything. They felt like they needed a shakeup. So what did they do? They ended up firing their two hitting coaches. So now, off-season time. The D-backs figured it was time to finally go hitch their saddle to a horse. So they chose Joe Mather, who served as the Reds assistant hitting coach and director of hitting from 2020 to 2021. And shout out to AZ Snake Pit for the research. But he spent, Joe Mather did, did spend five seasons in the D-backs organization from 2015 to 2019. Most recently serving as the minor league field and hitting coordinator in 2019. So he has some... Uh, some experience with some of these players on the D-backs roster already. He already has a relationship with some of these guys. And there's a bunch of guys on this 40-man roster that he's already been a manager or coach of for the D-backs. You look at Miguel Aguilar, Taylor Clark, Drew Ellis, Kevin Ginkle, Matt Peacock, Paven Smith, Riley Smith, and Dalton Varsho. 
He's already talked to these guys. He's already established a baseline relationship with a few of these guys already. So it won't be a tough transition for Mather to come in here to the D-backs organization. He's already been part of the organization. He already knows some of these guys. And another thing that's interesting about Mather, he is an Arizona native, graduated <clears throat> graduated from Mountain Point High School in 2001 from Ahwatukee. He did spend a few seasons in the major leagues. Now, hopefully, he can teach these players to be better at hitting than he was in the major leagues. Oh, burn shot at Mather because he was only a career 219 hitter over the course of four seasons. 108 hits and 493 at-bats. But a lot of the times, these great coaches weren't great players. I mean, look at Phil Jackson in basketball. He was a role player. You look at some of these other managers in baseball. A lot of them weren't Hall of Famers. And became good managers. I mean, Alex Cora, he was a solid player. But look at him now as a manager. A lot better as a manager than he was as a player. So uh, you don't have to be a great player to be a great manager. It's actually probably better if you're not a great player. Because a lot of times those Hall of Fame players can't really scout the talent. I mean, look at John Elway for the Broncos. The man hasn't been able to find a quarterback in his entire tenure. And he was one of the best quarterbacks during his era. So... You don't have to be a great player to be a great manager or any position in your field, in your sport. But for Mather, I do want the D-backs to be better at hitting than he was in his career and all in all. Some areas that the D-backs really need help with. Let's first start with OPS because the team was 13th in the National League in OPS. That's third from the bottom. Only Ketel Marte had an OPS above 760. Just think about that. One of my favorite phrases. Just think about that because there's so many teams with multiple dudes who have an OPS above 800, especially in today's game where so many players, so many teams can get you 25 home runs easy. So many teams have three, four, five guys hitting 25, 20 home runs easily. The D-backs, 13th in OPS. Only Carson Kelly. Well, not only Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly was second on this team in OPS at 760. Only Ketel Marte was above 760, cracked 800. Ketel Marte was, uh, I think, over nine. I think Ketel Marte had like a 906 OPS. So he had a really strong season. And he did that without hitting home runs because he knows how to get on base. And he has extra base hit power regardless. We know Ketel Marte has power from that 30 home run season. But even when he doesn't hit 30 home runs, he's still going to have a pretty high slugging percentage. The other area of the offense that the D-backs need help with is starting out quicker. When you look at the leadoff hitter for the D-backs, no matter what inning it is, that person is batting 245 with 699 OPS. The D-backs just don't start off innings quick. They don't get guys on bases quick. They don't score runs quickly. The D-backs saw the third most pitches per plate appearances in the National League and second most strikes looking. The D-backs just want to sit there and be patient at the plate, which to a level I do respect. I do like my team not just out there hacking at stuff way out the zone and things like that. So I do appreciate the patience in that standpoint. But if you got guys who are being patient and even when they do get their pitch, it's not like they're ripping out the ballpark anyway. Maybe you need to be a little bit more aggressive. I think a patient team needs to have a little bit more power and upside when it comes to the slugging department because if you get that breaking pitch that hangs, you can just crush it and take it for a ride. The D-backs aren't like that, so I think they need to be a little bit more chaotic, a little, a little bit more aggressive, and really attack early in counts. That's something I want to see the D-backs do. Again, 
Second fewest home runs in the National League. No one even cracked 15, if you don't count. Eduardo Escobar, who didn't finish the season on the team, of course, traded uh, right before the deadline. So need more power. And it's not like Mather is going to fix everything wrong with the offense. A lot of this is on Mike Hazen. He has to go out there and get better players uh, to perform because not like this lineup is super talented anyway. I like a few of the players, but really outside Ketel Marte, it's a lot of average to below average guys. I think Carson Kelly's an above average position player as a catcher. But after that, uh, probably Dalton Varsho, I think, has upside to be above average. But after that, I, I like Rojas. I like Paven Smith. But those are probably average major leaguers at best. Nick Ahmed is below average. I like a Cole Calhoun, but still just need more talent in this lineup overall. But hopefully, Joe Mather can help raise the ceiling in this offense in 2022. Now we'll discuss the pending free agents for the D-backs and who should be staying and who should be going. But first, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and before we discuss those pending free agents for the D-backs did you guys know David Peralta has been named a gold glove finalist in the outfield and left field specifically David Peralta joins Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals who I believe is the reigning gold glove winner and he joins former Diamondback AJ Pollock the enemy the villain because he's on the big bad Dodgers who are at the same place the D-backs are at now. The couch. Bye-bye, Dodgers fans. I'm calling that ring last year the Mickey Mouse Championship. It wasn't in Disney World like the Lakers was. I totally respect the Lakers ring because, of course, I'm a Lakers fan. But the the Dodgers ring I have no respect for because Clayton Kershaw looked phenomenal in the postseason series. And he's never looked good in a postseason setting before until there was finally uh, about 10 fans in the stadium. Unpressurized environment. So I don't trust your championship from last year but either way david peralta is a finalist for the gold glove couple outfield assists this past season three errors in a 989 fielding percentage he was solid i didn't think he was some elite defensive player this year i mean this overall team was terrible defensively 2021 he might have been the most steady defensive player but did i think he was gold glove worthy I'm not sure about that. He did win a gold glove in 2019, the same year he won a silver slugger award as well. So David Peralta got himself a nice little resume the last few years with the D-backs. He's a nice little player. He's one of those guys. Is he an above average offense player in the lineup? He's probably average at this point of his career. It's pretty solid with runners in scoring position, but just not enough power like he had that 30 home run season. Uh, I don't even think he's hitting a ton of extra base hits. I would have to dive deeper. We'll do an off-season review on David Peralta eventually. I would have to dive deeper into his numbers. But right now, I think he's probably a solid player overall, especially if you think he's a Gold Glove finalist. But he, he he's not enough. He's, he's not enough 
Uh, he, he can't be one of your core guys on your team at this point of his career. He's a nice ancillary piece on a good team that's trying to make the postseason, but he can't be a core piece in your team at this point of his career. Now let's talk about those pending free agents for the D-backs because they got five, but I'm only going to talk about four of them. That is Tyler Clippard, Chris Davinsky, Merrill Kelly, and Cole Calhoun. We'll save Cole Calhoun and Merrill Kelly for the third segment today. But for, their, but for this segment, let's talk a little Chris Davinsky first before we talk about Tyler Clippard because Davinsky, I'm ready to get rid of him. I mean, Davinsky, I thought was... To put this lightly, just flat out terrible for the D-backs this past season. He's only owed $1 million, a mutual option. And mutually, I would not pick it up if I was the D-backs. He allowed seven earned runs and seven innings pitched. He allowed a run in five of eight innings or five of eight outings. And we saw him early in the season. Then he went on the restricted list. I don't think we saw him again for the rest of the season. Maybe we did. Like, honestly, I was not paying attention to Chris Davinsky at all, but I don't think we saw him. Uh, I think eventually he was out the rest of the season. And when he did pitch to start the year, Davinsky was absolutely terrible. So I, I hope this is one where he doesn't come back because this was a big whiff by Mike, by Mike Hazen in the offseason. He's not been able to pull off what the Giants have been doing with these bargain relief pitchers and starting pitchers and getting them to be productive on their team. For Mike Hazen, he's been whiffing on all these cheap bargain deal relief pitchers and we can see why because they've been absolutely terrible in a d-backs uniform and i want to talk about tyler clipper though because i won't throw him in that same bucket as i just threw chris davinsky and along with the hector rondones and the junior guerreras and the joaquin sorias tyler Clippard, even though he's 36 about to be 37 i thought he was pretty good for the d-backs this past season 3.2 3.2 ERA overall, 9 earned runs and 25 innings pitch, 7.5 strikeouts per 9, 3.9 walks per 9. So he did walk a few guys, not a strikeout artist, but overall he was solid. Only owed $3.5 million on a mutual option. So mutually, I would be into picking that deal up for Tyler Clippard. He had 6 saves in the second half of the season, and I thought he was just overall solid. And he was really good against righties. That was really his strength. 192 average against, 556 OPS against righties. Shut down against righties uh, during the season, which is just a specialist that the D-backs could definitely use. I'm not sure if I really want him as a full-time closer, but definitely as a specialist against righties, he's perfect. 936 OPS against lefties, not what you want to see, but he was good in high leverage moments, so maybe he's a specialist setup kind of guy for the D-backs in the future. Might be more of a seventh inning, maybe eighth inning guy, depending if you just need him to come in for a, a, a batter or two. At the, you know, if there's two outs, of course, to end an inning. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, uh, I, I don't think you want him in a full-time setup role in the eighth inning. But in high leverage moments, he did come through for the D-backs in 2021. 156 average against, 519 OPS against in high leverage moments. I was surprised that Tyler Clippard was this good in 2021. His fastball was sitting around like 85 miles an hour. It felt like it was a pretty slow fastball, but overall, he was an effective, effective guy. Didn't give up runs, probably walked more batters than I would have liked, but he came through in high leverage moments, and that's something you can't say about a lot of D-backs relievers. So I'm in favor of the D-backs mutually going in on his $3.5 million option for next season. 
Now we'll talk about Cole Calhoun and Merrill Kelly's pending free agency. But first, I need to talk to you guys about Bill Bar because Bill Bar is so delicious. They have any flavor you can want. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate. There's a flavor for everyone. But the reason why I love Bill Bar is because I'm a health conscious guy. Trying to work out whenever I can, but I have a sweet tooth, but it's okay because Bill Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. So it's great for that keto diet. Just go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod and let's talk about the last two pending free agents for the D-backs in 2021, of course, for next season. And the first one I want to talk about is Cole Calhoun. He has a $9 million club option, which could seem like a lot. That would be, I would have to look off the top of my head. I want to see that would probably be top three on the D-backs because the D-backs do not pay people. The D-backs are not giving out big contracts. So, $9 million for Cole Calhoun would actually be a lot. Outside of Madison Bumgarner, a lot of these dudes aren't getting paid. But $9 million bucks for Cole Calhoun, I don't mind it. This is someone who had 16 home runs in the short 2020 season. 860 OPS that first year. Definitely a downturn in the second year. 670 OPS and five home runs in 51 games this year. But he played more games in the shortened season than he did in 2021. Just... He was hurt basically the whole year. So many injuries. I kind of wanted to throw this year out for Cole Calhoun. And a lot of the advanced numbers tell you Cole Calhoun wasn't that much different this year than he was last year. Hard hit percentage, exit velocity, launch angle. All those numbers were pretty similar. So that at least gives you optimism that he can bounce back next year. The only number that kind of took a dip was his barrel percentage. It went from 11.8% last year to just 6.3% this year is worse since 2017. So I'm hoping that can improve next season. But overall, I think the D-backs need a Cole Calhoun because the D-backs are a team that does not do very good against right-handed pitchers. The team had a 670 OPS against righties, but Cole Calhoun is fantastic against righties. A career 770 OPS against righties. And just last season, 2020, that OPS was above 870. So we need Cole Calhoun to smash right-handed pitching because the D-backs do not have enough of that. Enough, They do not have enough left-handed at-bats or enough righties that could handle right-handed pitching. That's going to be another area that Mike Hazen needs to address in the offseason. So I would like to bring back Cole Calhoun. I don't think $9 bucks is too much. And again, kind of look at this like basketball. Cole Calhoun, I want to keep the asset because he could be moved at the deadline or something like that. You're not getting back a ton for Cole Calhoun. No, make make no mistake about it. I'm not saying you're getting back a you know, top five prospect in someone's organization who trade them Cole Calhoun. No, if you're lucky, you could get back their 20th best prospect. You could do what the D-backs did today. Somehow they picked up like the Dodgers 18th best prospect off waivers pretty recently. If you're lucky, you could get the 18th best prospect from the Dodgers organization if they need a bat like Cole Calhoun at the deadline. So I would keep Cole Calhoun. 
I would keep Cole Calhoun just to keep the asset because I don't think you want to get rid of assets for no reason. He seems to be a really positive locker room guy. He's a little bit older. I think it'd be easy to move. And $9 million, I don't think is going to break the bank for Cole Calhoun. Now, the other player that I think the D-back should keep is a Merrill Kelly because I mess with Merrill Kelly. I think Merrill Kelly is really good. Uh, I don't think he's some elite level pitcher. I don't think he's a top, you know, I, I don't think he's a frontline starter, but Merrill Kelly's your number four, number five starter. I think that's pretty good in your rotation. I think he can go pretty deep into a ball game. He can be an innings eater and be effective at that. He pitched, he, he had 27 starts, a 4-4-4 ERA shout out. Uh, Jay-Z and his OJ album, or what was that album even called? I think it was just called 444. So whatever, shout out Jay-Z, 444 ERA for Merrill Kelly, 130 strikeouts, 41 walks, 158 innings pitch, a nice strikeout to walk ratio. And Merrill Kelly had a little stretch where he looked really dominant for the D-backs this season. A little stretch where I was like, man, I'm going to pick up Merrill Kelly off the waivers, throw him on my fantasy team, and he helped carry my team for a little bit. It was like 18 to 25 points every start for Merrill Kelly, and it was this nine-start stretch where Merrill Kelly had only one start we gave up more than three earned runs, and in that start, it was only four earned runs. So he went into the sixth inning at least in all of those nine starts and this is just someone that can go deep into ball games before he was knocked out with covid for like a month this guy was one of the league or one of the national league leaders in innings pitch i really like merrill kelly a lot he can do a lot for you in the back end of your rotation he can eat innings he's not going to kill you i think uh more than i, I want to say like 65 to 70% of the time, he gave up like less than four under runs. So this is someone that's just going to be solid, steady Eddie. I don't think Merrill Kelly is going to kill you. Can you get someone better than a Merrill Kelly? Yeah, maybe. But for a guy on a $5.25 million club option, I don't see Mike Hayes going out there and finding the Delscafanis and the Logan Webbs of the world. It just hasn't worked out for the D-backs. The D-backs can't seem to strike gold with those waiver wire pitchers with those really bargain $5 million, $7 million pitchers, one-year deal kind of pitchers, the Kevin Gosman type pitchers. The D-backs have not had any luck really finding those guys. Merrill Kelly was someone that came from overseas. He's someone in his early 30s, but still very little Major League Baseball experience, so he's still got a pretty fresh arm. Someone that throws around 92 on his fastball, sinker kind of guy, wants to be a ground ball kind of pitcher. So I like Merrill Kelly. The D-backs should bring him back. Uh, a rotation of Merrill Kelly, Baumgartner, Zach Gallen, Taylor Widener. I've talked about this before. Maybe they go out there and find someone or they think there's an eternal option that they could do. But I think the D-backs rotation can be good enough to make a wild card run. I'm not saying this is some World Series rotation or anything like that, but should this rotation be good enough to potentially make a wild card run i could see that and it all starts by bringing back merrill kelly for next season now that's it for this edition of the locked on diamondbacks podcast thank you to everyone who tuned in today come back tomorrow for more diamondbacks news coverage and insight thank you for making locked on diamondbacks your first listen every day this podcast is not possible without you so thank you go make your second listen locked on mlb with paul francis sullivan please call him sully of the locked on podcast network and as always stay safe and stay healthy deuces